Whoop, and welcome to Unapologetic Live on this most auspicious day. I'm Amla Panobi, your host. We got Taylor here as well. What's going on? <laughs> happy to be here, guys. Hope you are happy as well. We're going to get into this BuzzFeed article that was sent to me this morning. Uh, here it is. Black people are sharing the rules that they follow that most white people don't even know about. And this is so important. So I am half black and half white. So I'll be able to comment on this from two different perspectives <laughs> and tell you whether half of myself chooses to follow these rules and the other half doesn't or was completely unaware of them. Let's take a look. Rule number one, no matter how angry you get, you try and remain calm. If you raise your voice even a little, regardless of what you say or how you say it, you are instantly labeled an angry black woman and judged wrongly, even when you're right. Anonymous. Amelie, you spoke a little bit too loud when you said that. Could you uh, so sorry? kind of sound like an angry black woman? <laughs> Could you whisper? I have never experienced something like this in my life. <laughs> and in fact, I have made uh, quite a stand making videos that are extremely expressive. And sometimes people would say uh, higher in volume than the average person talks. Definitely not in an inside voice. And I have never been called an angry black woman. Um, <laughs> so no, <laughs> this does not, this is not applied to me. If you're a black person watching this right now and this applies to you, this whole caricature of an angry black woman is just a, to me, it's just a projection. You know, I rarely see people ever. I don't think I've ever heard anybody been like, that's just an angry black woman. That's all she is. Now, I'm sure there are people who, who do say that because th there can be this sort of characterized uh, idea of what you can be in any race. And let's make this clear. Stereotypes for any race, which there are thousands for every single race, they exist for a reason. They really do. Just like the, the Karen, which is this idea, this caricature of a white older woman who calls the manager. Why does that exist? Because it happens, and in today's day and age, it happens, and it's on video, and you can find hundreds of videos of this happening, happening, and it speaks to a cultural stereotype. <sighs> Blows my mind that people get so offended by things that are said because, you know, they can be true. Now, as far as angry black woman, I have not heard this uh, enough in my life to have to even think that this is a, a very common stereotype. But even if it is, often these things are based on actual encounters that people have. So have you heard the angry black woman stereotype, Taylor? Um, I mean, I've heard of it, but then, yeah, no, no real life examples come to mind, just like right. certain TV characters or whatever. I've heard of it. Like, I think Tyler Perry has like uh, the diary of an angry, mad black woman or something like that. And that was a movie that I watched as a kid. And, and some of the caricatures in those movies are very clear and a clear depiction of this like angry black woman. But I rarely hear that as like something that white people say to characterize a black woman. If anything, I've heard that from black men characterizing black 
women. Uh, so yeah, stereotypes exist for a reason. Like, get over it. White dads really do say it's not the heat that gets you; right. it's the humidity. Right. When they see their neighbor washing their car, they stop and say, "Can you do mine next?" <laughs> When they finish up at the restaurant, they go, you're going to have to roll me out of here in a wheelbarrow. <laughs> exactly. So, so come they on. They exist for a reason. So we may not know any any directly, but these stereotypes do exist. Right. These stereotypes do. I'm sure they exist. I'm not going to say that this stereotype does not exist, even though it's something that I have not seen. But come on. Why are we so sensitive about everything? Everything just makes people want to like sit in fetal position and cry. Imagine if I did that every time I got a hor- horrific comment or something that was hateful. Angry black woman is not even that horrible. It's just like, oh, you're a black person and you're angry. Oh, my God, the horror, the racism. I get horrible comments on a daily basis, and it's not to say that that's a good thing to do. But if we, in this life, curl up and cry or get upset and offended every time something that we don't like is said, we'd all be sitting in fetal position crying our eyes out all day long. Because c'est la vie. That is life. That is life. Number two, my mother taught me to always ask for a bag and receipt no matter how small the purchase or you can be accused of stealing i mean there's really nothing to like push back on this is just an anecdotal piece of information by and large this does not happen black people can enter stores and purchase products oh my gosh crazy and then walk out of the store (laughs) with that purchase product and say no i don't need a bag or i don't need a receipt there's not this massive epidemic of black people being having the police called on them for stealing. As much as the media and social media and progressives themselves would love for you to think that, it's not happening. So, let's move on. Number three. As a black man, my father taught me when being pulled over by the police to pull your insurance and registration out of the glove box and keep it ready on your seat. That way you don't have to reach in the glove box when the police are at your window. Again, this is all contingent. All of this advice is contingent upon this narrative that as a black person and as a black man specifically, there is a constant target on your back. Do you know how disgusting that is to teach your kids that? And what's truly disgusting about it is the people who do teach their kids that are truly convinced by it. So I feel bad for them as well to have to live in fear that much over police officers, which is something that I lived in for a very long time because of what I was taught is a horrific reality. But it's not reality the reality is that if you are a black man that gets pulled over by police officers and you sit there and you go yes sir no sir what do you need my registration okay i'm going to grab that for you now you grab it you give it to them they look at it and they send you on your way that's what happens in most police encounters however we do get encounters like philando castile a disgusting display of a police officer doing the wrong thing in a situation i will admit that till the cows come home of him going you know i do have a registered firearm in the car i just want to let you know sir i'm going to reach for my wallet now and the police officer shoots him horrible thing it's on video you can watch it it is disgusting it is a clear depiction of malpractice in policing, but it is not representative of what is happening on a daily basis in America. Philando Castile is not the the depiction of what's going to happen to the average black person getting arrested. And you know what? We don't talk about when this happens to white people either. And there are some horrific videos of malpractice and policing happening to white people that are all over the internet if you just take the time to look at them. Uh, And 
yet we've still painted that it's just black men who experience this. False. Yeah, and the whole this whole uh, rule is prefaced with as a black man, but a lot of people in the comments are saying, I'm white and I grew up with this rule as well. Yeah. This is kind of just general wisdom that yeah. however you slice it, you want to make the officer as comfortable as possible and not signal any kind of for quick movements or aggression. So, yes. you know, I was taught, like, put your hands on 10 and 2, or if, you know, you don't want to be, like, reaching in the glove box as they come up to your car, but by the time they're there, have your hands somewhere they can see them, have the your, your documents ready or let the officer know that you're going to reach in you know it's like that's just general common knowledge yeah uh, it's not you don't have to racialize this general tidbit of wisdom that everyone with sense should know yeah, so. it's honestly just good practice like yeah. it's just a good practice to to do <laughs> so you don't put yourself in a bad situation yeah that's the problem that i have with a lot of these discussions that we've have is that on their face, a discussion around police brutality is not a wrong discussion to be having. You have people who are in our society that suddenly have a, an excess amount of power, uh, definitely are the most powerful in the situation when you encounter them. We should be talking about whether or not that gives way to things like police brutality and what training we should have around that and how you should respond. But it's not a racialized discussion. We hurt ourselves when we make everything about race. And it just contributes to this polarity where no discussion is ever had about the issues that need to be discussed. Number four, as a black woman in a predominantly white area, I make a point of approaching staff first in stores when I walk in. I ask an innocuous question in a friendly, high-pitched voice, even if I don't need anything. They seem to feel safer around me and do not follow me around when I do that first. Alex, I'd like to take things that did not happen for 2000, please. This is not... Uh, oh my gosh. It is such a ridiculous thing to do something like this. You are honestly just like placing this upon yourself. This is a figmented reality that you are placing upon yourself in in order to support this narrative. And I again, I don't want to blame people who do this because they were like me four years ago. They got the same information that I got and are reacting in a very similar way that I did. But you do not need to do that. I want everybody who does something like this and is listening right now to stop for a minute. And tomorrow when you wake up in the morning, go, you know what? I'm just going to lead my normal life and do the things that I would like to do without having these prejudgments of how people are going to treat me, how uh, whether or not I'll be followed in a store, whether or not the police are going to be called on me and just go out and lead your life. And then when you make it to the end of the day and you hit your bed at night and you go, oh, wait, everything was fine and nothing happened to me. Take that as a lesson that maybe you should not allow people to fear monger you into having this predisposition about just going to the store and shopping. This is ridiculous. It is a ridiculous thing to assume this every time you walk into a store. Number five. As a black woman, I usually keep my college jacket in the car. If I have to go to the emergency room, I, re I receive better treatment if doctors see that I have a higher education. Honestly, it's just like, how do you even respond to these anymore? It just doesn't. It just doesn't make sense. It's, it's again, just another thing that you're putting in the way of what you do every day because you have this preconceived idea of what's going to happen to you if you don't just act like every other normal person. The way that we stop these issues that we're having surrounding race is to stop talking about it. It's to stop doing these little extra steps that you feel you need to do in order to save yourself and keep yourself in safety. Because guess what? You'll be safe regardless 
uh, and, and that will be the case. And these representations uh, in these videos where that is not the case are few and far between. You have a higher likelihood of being struck by lightning at this point than going through one of the situations that you see in those videos. And it's just sad that so many people have watched this enough and seen this enough and heard the narrative enough to adopt these daily practices. This is not a daily practice because she's talking about going to the emergency room. I would hope that's not a daily <laughs> practice for anybody, but to adopt this in your brain as just something that is constantly in your thoughts is scary. Let's see. Number six. I'm from Louisiana, where they still have sundown towns. Avoid them at all costs. If you have to pass through at night, make sure you have a full tank of gas that you don't have to stop. For those of you unaware of sundown towns, they are towns where they are predominantly white in that in the past, during the Jim Crow era, these towns had laws that kept black people from being able to live in them. Guess what, guys? This is a great announcement. I think I'm the first person to say this in 2022. Sundown towns do not exist. The laws around sundown towns don't exist anymore. You cannot keep black people from moving into your town uh, other than having like a random realtor who just refuses to sell to a black person. And if that exists, that's, a, again, a small marginal group of people who decide to be racist in their daily life for some reason. But the laws regarding sundown towns and this sort of redlining thing, they don't exist anymore. It's not allowed. Turns out we sort of decided as a society that racism wasn't cool, kids. <laughs> Don't do the whole racism thing and lead your normal lives and America will be better off because of it. We decided that quite a long time ago. But I guess a group of people thinks that we have not decided that and that these institutions and things still exist. They don't exist. I even went in to do some reading on these whole sundown towns things to like find out why somebody would say that these are still in existence. And apparently people are saying there's like a second generation sundown town where it's not legally that they don't keep black people there. It's just socially and culturally that they don't do that. Um, no, 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 no. And it pairs itself with these things like white flight that once a black person moves into the neighborhood, all the white people move out. If that was the case, Obama's neighborhood, Patrice Kohler's neighborhood, all the white people would be flying away <laughs> because these people who cried about racism, Obama and Patrice Kohler's the founder of Black Lives Matter move themselves right into white neighborhoods. And I'm talking million dollar, multi-million dollar houses right in the middle of these white neighborhoods. Where did all the white people go? They're still there, chilling with the Black Lives Matter activist. So, oh my gosh. You just have to remind yourself that there are people that benefit from convincing you of these realities. And they benefit in, in a way that we talked about on yesterday's episode, this idea that if you are disempowered and you feel like you lack self-worth, you are easy to manipulate. And the very same people who say, you're not worth anything in this country, the white people hate you, the capitalists hate you, this whole system is pitted against you, they go, but I can help you. <laughs> if you just vote for me, you know, come election time, just... I'll fix all of this. And yet every four years, the same narrative persists and they're still here to help you again. Where's the help? <laughs> Where's the changes that they're making? What are they doing for you and for your community? Nothing. Because there's nothing to be done when you create something that doesn't exist. Okay, number seven. 
I am a white woman relatively new to my mostly white. I'm a black woman, sorry, relatively new to my mostly white neighborhood. When I take a walk for exercise, I always walk in the middle of the street, not too close to houses on either side. I wear reflective gear and avoid staring too closely at any of the houses. I often think of a mod arbory while I'm walking. I wish I could just like reenact some of this stuff and think about how ridiculous this sounds to wake up every morning and be like, okay, I want to go for a walk today. I better put on all my reflective gear, which is something that everybody does anyways, so as to not get hit by cars and, and things of the like. But I'm going to put on reflective gear. I'm going to make sure I just stare straight ahead at where I'm walking. I'm not going to look over to the side because somebody might think I'm robbing them by looking at their house and come and shoot me. No. And if we look at the Ahmad Arbery case, what, uh, what a cluster that case is. Because this young man was quote, jogging in a neighborhood, a neighborhood that happened to be miles and miles away from where he actually lived. Okay. So maybe he was going on a very long, I don't know, 40 mile jog um, to there and back. Sure. But going through houses, we saw the footage, the footage exists of him going through houses that were being renovated and looking at things uh, and then leaving. Now, did he deserve to lose his life in a situation like this? No. But the idea of this whole walking while black thing or breathing while black which is what you'll hear the left say a lot what was my offense it was walking while black what was the offense of Ahmad Arbery it was jogging while black what was the offense of somebody like Jacob Blake it was driving while black no <laughs> oftentimes if you look at this they were actually committing crimes they were doing something that required law enforcement uh, and, and somebody to intervene into these situations. Now, should these people have gone and created an altercation that killed Ahmaud Arbery? No. But does that mean that the average black person walking down the street is going to get killed? Also, no. Number eight. I was taught to be an overachiever because no one expects a black woman to be smart and well-spoken. Huh. I'm not expected to have a voice in anything, and many are shocked when I do. They are astounded when I can verbalize my thoughts and opinions in multi-syllable words. Melanin ovaries do not cancel out intelligence and reason. You know who you should explain that to? The progressive left. Because the progressive left are the ones saying that meritocracy is an extension of white supremacy. They're the ones going into schools and lowering the academic standards, saying that black kids need to succeed. And in order to do that, we need to lower the academic standards for them to move up in grades. They're the ones instituting things like affirmative action, where if you don't meet the academic standing of getting into a college, they just go, oh, we're going to ignore that. We'll just let you into Harvard. We'll just let you into Yale because you're black and you're a female and that's better for us. We love diversity. They're the ones who commit this not soft bigotry, hard bigotry of low expectations. They are the ones who look at black Americans and go, well, I don't expect much from you. I don't expect you to be smart. I don't expect you to be well-spoken, but I still want you to succeed. So let me just remove all the barriers that could, you know, build your spirit, build your character, build all of these different characteristics that would make you a well-rounded and emotionally intelligent and, and academically intelligent individual. And we'll just pass you through. You guys can just go through the gate. And then when they fail and when they continue to not meet standards or when the literacy rates drop or the college uh, graduation rates drop, they go, well, why did that happen? I'm scratching my head <laughs> because they don't expect anything from you. It's not conservatives who look at black people and go, oh, they're so dumb. 
they are so ridiculous. They shouldn't have rights. They shouldn't have this. It's progressives who look and say that and think those things and institute policies that say as much. So this idea that this is some rule that you have to have placed on you by being a black person, actually true, but not because of the people that you think, not because of the conservatives, not because the classical liberals, not because any white right winger and not because the white man. Uh, although uh, there are some white men on the progressive side that are actually pushing this narrative. So take a deep dive and really think about who expects less of black people because it's not us. And here I am. I, I think I'm a pretty well-spoken black woman. And I think that's achievable for most black people. But there are people that don't. And they are passing legislation that stops that from happening and stops that from being the case. Sorry. With that note, I think we're going to end the stream on the Prager U side of things. And we're going to go just to Amlepinobi, unapologetic on YouTube, Facebook. We'll also be on Prager U on Facebook if you're still watching there, just not on YouTube. We'll be on Getter. We're also on Rumble. So you can go to any of those platforms and continue to listen to the show. Also on Spotify, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. But we're saying goodbye to Prager U YouTube. Head over to my YouTube and watch there. Rule number nine, never ever put your hands in your pockets while walking around a store. If you don't want to give them a reason to follow you around or call the police, your hands need to be visible at all times. <sighs> things that didn't happen for 2000 again, Alex. Um, but no, again, this is one of those things where it's just like, as a general rule, if you don't want to look like you're stealing things, don't have your hand just sitting both hands sitting in your pockets while you're walking around a store that would be a rule for both white black hispanic asian people everybody across the board and one that you know just in general would be a good thing to follow if you don't want people to think you're stealing does that mean you shouldn't be able to have your hands in your pockets in a store no if that's where you want your hands to be and that's where you feel most comfortable well you just go ahead and do that darling and i'm sure everything will be fine but if somebody goes hey can I make sure you're not stealing because you got your hands in your pockets and you go, yeah, no, I don't have anything. Guess what that is? The end of that situation. It's pretty quick. Pretty easy fix. 10. As a black man, never get into an elevator with a woman alone. Always wait for the next one. <sighs> Can I just like slow blink in response to some of these rules? Um, I This is just feels like you're creating scenarios in your brain that could possibly implicate you in something. What a weird thing to do as an individual. And generally, as a man in as a man in this whole Me Too movement thing in America right now, if you guys are listening, don't do anything with a woman alone. <laughs> Especially if she's a progressive leftist. Because that's the one if you're if you're gonna get an accusation, that's where you're getting it from. So just maybe as a general rule of thumb for all the men there. Wait for the next elevator. If you're worried that a woman that you don't know is in the elevator and could possibly accuse you of something, people are crazy. I don't trust the random people that I don't know walking around the street either. If I saw a man in an elevator coming down and I was going to, I wouldn't get in the elevator either. I would wait for the next one. That's just some, a rule of thumb for me. Uh, it's not a particularly safe space to be in if you're in an altercation with somebody in an elevator. So it has nothing to do with being black or white or Asian or man or woman. Just as a general rule of thumb, take the next elevator, <laughs> especially in today's day and age. Taylor, would you wait for the next elevator or would you take the elevator with the woman? Um, it depends on if the person in the elevator looked like they watch 
a lot of Rachel Maddow and uh, (laughs) Hassan Piker or something. If that's the case, then yeah, I'll probably pass. But if it's like a normal looking person, I'll probably just be like, okay, you're normal, we're normal, we're good. It's just an elevator. Right. If she's got like a hashtag Me Too shirt on, maybe don't get in the elevator. I mean, there are other reasons I'm not getting in the elevator in that case. It's just like not, you know, don't want to be around that type of energy. But (laughs) That aura. The aura is just really annoying, so I don't want to be around it. Yeah, okay, so there's there's a qualifier. If the woman has a hashtag Me Too shirt on, wait for the next elevator. And I too would get in, you know, on the average day, if I'm like going somewhere, I'm not going to think twice before I get in the elevator with a random person. That's fine. Is that something like if you're particularly safety cautious that you would, you would want to do? Sure. If you're that paranoid, wait for the next elevator. But Mm -hmm. I think that's a rule of thumb for men specifically with women, just, just in today's day and age when, you know, accusations, as we're seeing right now with this whole Johnny Depp, Amber Heard defamation case, Women can just say whatever they want. (laughs) And this whole hashtag believe all women thing is, you know, bringing on some problems for men in society. So maybe, you know, maybe just wait. Yeah. And I'll just say, like, it goes it goes both ways. Like if you're a woman and they're depending on the guy's appearance, like how he's dressed, like if you had this smelly, like, you know, haggard looking dangerous looking person who's not conforming to what you would expect a normal person who is safe to look like it's okay to uh take the next elevator it's not you're not profiling that person um so yeah if you have like i would rather ride an elevator with a nice well-dressed black person um than a smelly white person who is looks like they (laughs) may be on drugs you know so it's got nothing to do with race it's just using common sense to protect yourself and that's okay we act like it's not okay to make those judgments and just use basic uh, human intuitions about yes. risk assessment and how much people are actually conforming to normal society standards of acceptable behavior so just a thought there 100 percent. this idea which is really interesting that we've made these words like prejudice and judgment be so negative but these things exist in us prejudice and judgment exist in us naturally instinctually because that's how we make assessments of situations and whether or not these situations will end up being safe and and promote health and wellness for us so if you walk into an elevator and you see somebody i don't care what color they are and you get a weird feeling of i don't want to go on this elevator with this person don't do it and use that intuition use that instinct in all cases in life prejudice and judgment can be very good things and we have these ideas and our brain works in that way for a reason it does protect you i have to tell a quick story here i mean so my apartment building i live in los angeles they've had a rule up until the last like couple of weeks signs everywhere saying mask required anywhere outside of your own apartment um, Mm -hmm. in the whole building and i have to ride an elevator to get to my my unit um and anytime someone's in the elevator and they have a mask on or they're approaching the elevator and they're going to get in with a mask on i will just like Like, i'll wait (laughs) yeah i'll take the next one i'll take the stairs i'll i'll go somewhere else just yeah you know because i don't even want to go through the whole process of like you judging me or asking me to put a mask just like no i'm just going around so right yet another use the signals people i just don't want to deal with it yeah Yeah, you're like i don't want to go there right now number 11 something i know i have to be careful of in public as a person mixed with white and black Ooh, me too is remembering which parent i'm with and how to act this is called code switching i have to make sure i act okay so i'm not labeled as ghetto with my mom or whitewashed with my dad or what? Or what's going to happen? Well, tell me the scenario where you you 
accidentally act black, whatever that means with your with your white parent or you accidentally act white with the black parent. What what turmoil ensues after you do that? And this whole I have to alter my personality and code switch for whatever parent I'm with. Give me a break. You know, these these rules, if anything, highlight how attached people are to their own oppression. They, this is something that means something to them. It's a part of them. It's a part of their daily life. It's a part of their brain, their mind, their heart, their soul, that they need these ideas to be to be true in a lot of ways. And that's why these same people, when you talk to them and you go, girl, that's not true. And your life is going to be so much happier if you don't do these things. They go, no, 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 it is true. You just don't understand. You just don't have no idea what's going on because they're so attached to their this oppression. They're so attached to having this be the case. Next. I think we need to have one of our black staff members at Prager. You run the boards one day so everyone can meet <laughs> Black Amala. Yeah. So you can code switch into that. <laughs> I'm curious to see who that is. Because right, apparently settling. you're always performing when you're talking to me. <laughs> yeah, this is White Amala. I hope you guys enjoy her presence. Uh, every time Taylor is producing, it's White Amala. We'll bring uh, one of our buddies in here, Nathan. He's the he's our uh, black friend here at PragerU. And he'll run boards. And I'll be Black Amala for you. And you guys can let me know which one you like better, and we'll see what turmoil ensues when I'm suddenly too ghetto. Everyone will be much more impressed with your ability to speak clearly. (laughs) 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 Oh my gosh. Kidding for the record. Not a racist. You'll be like black and intelligent? (laughs) This is beautiful. Okay. Which was a real comment, by the way. That was a real comment that I got when I first started doing this Black show. Black female and can speak clearly and intelligently? <laughs> oh my gosh. So we don't say, ladies and gentlemen, that racism doesn't exist. Because it's so funny. Because that was packaged in like this compliment of like, oh, I'm going to keep watching this show. I can't believe it. But <laughs> to say that you couldn't imagine somebody being Black female and intelligent is just the funniest. Unironically. Like dead serious, um, trying to give you a compliment. Dead serious. Uh, so yeah, oh, racism so does exist, but when I hear things like that, it just makes me hysterical. It's so <laughs> funny. Um, okay, next. 12. No matter how cold or windy it is, my hood stays off and my earbuds slash headphones stay off my ears. I believe that this is a nod to the George Zimmerman case and what happened there. Because that What was that kid's name? Uh, my Trayvon Martin. Trayvon Martin. The Trayvon Martin case because he was wearing a hoodie and had his headphones in or something to that effect. And that's when George Zimmerman came and confronted him. And this, there is something to be said about this whole idea of uh, vigilantism and taking the police matters into your own hands. Guys, don't do that. Try not to do that. They just call the police and let them handle it. Unless there's a situation that cannot be handled in time or whatever. That Trayvon Martin case was not that situation whatsoever that what happened there did not need to happen but again it does not speak to a pattern uh that black men should constantly and consistently be afraid of wearing a hoodie and headphones and walking down the street like guys be realistic here it's not realistic and it's a sad thing that we've had a group of people who want to convince you that this is realistic and i was a part of that group of people four years ago but we're not there and that's not the truth and you'll feel so much better when you realize that that's not the truth next as a black man who loves hip-hop, I often have to censor the music that I listen to so I won't be judged as a thug. Newsflash, ladies and gentlemen, hip-hop is enjoyed by people of all races. Have you guys ever been to like a hip-hop concert? You know how many white people are hanging out in that crowd? Do you know? 
It's a, a lot. A lot of white people listen to hip hop. I don't think it's something that makes people view you as a thug anymore. It's very much a part of modern society and a massive part of modern society. Look at these rappers who are just at peak. I mean, A-list household name celebrities now because of the music that they're making. And this idea that you're, and because you're black, you're like, oh man, they don't have Kendrick's censored version on here. They don't have the radio edit. on Spotify for me to listen to. Man, when he says the N-word, people are going to view me as a thug. That's the face that I get for that. Next. Amala's calling bull. (laughs) That's exactly what I'm calling. That is what I'm calling on that. Number 14. As a black man, if there's a white woman in line, you stand back far enough so you cannot touch her by mistake or be accused of touching her. Don't stand close enough to anybody to touch them, especially a random stranger. Just a rule of thumb, by the way. Imagine if I was in line and anybody of any race or any gender stood close enough to me to touch me. I'd be like, excuse me, sir, can you back the up? (laughs) (laughs) Because you're way too close to me right now. That's just a general rule of thumb that people of all races should practice. Yikes. 15. Knowing that I'll be followed when shopping in high-end stores, you, first of all, you don't know that. You don't know that. That is not, it's not like a, a a paper that they put on the wall before you walk in that says, reminder, if you are black walking in this store, we will have an associate follow you around for your purchases. That's not the case. Now, has that happened to a person? Sure. You guys seen the movie Pretty Woman? <laughs> I'm sure they would have followed her around the store, too. Uh, And that's just, again, a look that people have and they go, oh, maybe I don't know if that person looks like they're going to be shopping here or not. And then they go and follow, you know, is that something that the general person should do and that I advocate for? No, not a good thing to do. But is it happening enough that we need to talk about it like this? No. So what does she do to mitigate this problem? I have product related questions prepared for when they invariably ask me. If I need assistance, replying with, no, thank you, I'm just browsing, makes their suspicion jump. And suddenly I have an unofficial entourage. I'm a college educated black man about to turn 40, but I still have to play these sorts of silly games. It can be very exhausting. I will take things that didn't happen for 2000 again, Alex, and I am racking in money. I think we're at $6,000 now in this game of Jeopardy uh, because this is some BS and I'm calling BS on it. Uh, but again, these are things that we place upon ourselves and ideas that we place upon ourselves of things that we need to do to live this life that we don't have to do. And as soon as you go through a day where you stop doing that and everything turns out fine, imagine how much better your life is going to be. Just imagine. 16. Oh, these all start with as a black woman, as a black man here, as a black woman who works a uh, swing shift and gets off work at 11 p.m., I will not take off my badge until I get inside my garage. I need to have a layer of protection to prove that I'm up, that I'm not up to no good in case I get pulled over. How many times you've been pulled over and somebody thought that you were up to no good? I would like to have this specific user answer back to me. Or is it just this idea you have of how police are going to treat you? And that's why you do it. I imagine It is the latter of those two things. And that, in fact, a police officer has never pulled this woman over and told her, I think you're up to no good. Get out of the car, ma'am. Come on. Next. 17. 
when meeting with executives or high-ranking officials where appropriate attire would be business casual for others, I wear full business attire. I've found that when I dress more formally, I receive more eye contact, head nodding, and enthusiasm during conversations. This happens consistently. That's so funny. Imagine being like, they send out like a work memo. It's like, just to let you know, guys, uh, tomorrow's casual Friday, so dress accordingly. And Jamal shows up in a tuxedo. <laughs> I notice I get more attention in the office when I wear a tuxedo. So. Yeah, 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 yeah. Suddenly, because like you're you're wearing the suit, people are like, oh yes, yeah, that means you have something to say. I'm crying. That is so funny. <laughs> it might be giving you more attention because you're overdressed for the situation. <laughs> but if that undoes racism for you, I guess you know. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe just like dress accordingly. It's just so it's so ridiculous to me. And yes, there are moments like if you're going for an interview or something, you're going to work. Dressing nicer is just a good thing to do regardless. It just shows that you take your day more seriously and it actually has beneficial effects psychologically for those of you who don't know that. It actually makes you perform better, some studies have shown, and it makes you feel more energized in your day just to like look good, feel good, know that other people perceive you as looking good and feeling good. It's a beautiful thing. We have a guy who works here. He also operates our chat. His name is Spencer. And every day Spencer comes to work dressed to the nines. I'm talking like he could be a fashion influencer, beautiful outfit. And he doesn't have to dress like that here. Like, you can wear whatever you want at PragerU and in this office. But Spencer comes dressed. Dressed, I tell you. And good for him. And I'm sure it does make people take him a little bit more seriously because he takes himself seriously. Yeah, somehow he makes, uh, like, he was wearing shorts and, like, a polo with, like, a sweater tied together over it and, uh, like, the boat shoes and everything. He looked like he belonged at a country club. Right. And he made it look more classy than, like, one of my outfits where I'm wearing, like, full pants. Like, short, he can pull off shorts more classily than than the rest of us. Um, Number 18. I work in the hospital. Anytime I get a patient out of bed and they ask me to move their purse, I make sure it remains in their sight as I move it. I also hope that it's a room with the camera just in case any discrepancy comes up. <laughs> okay. Uh, again, good rule of thumb for anybody of any race. If somebody asks you to move a personal belonging that could have money or something valuable in it, make sure they watch you do it or they see you do it. But imagine just being like, Ma'am, I'm moving your purse. Uh, I'm I'm turning 90 degrees and I'm setting it down right over here. Again, fine, totally. But it's not because you're black. Gosh, this is making me like, I just want to run through these. I think we have three more. Okay, number 19. Don't wear any jewelry, sunglasses of the brand where you are shopping in store. As a black woman, I've had an employee rip Gucci shades off my head. They were mine and tell me not to stretch the merchandise. <laughs> This is the daily double of things that didn't happen. So how much do you want to wager? I'm going to wager. I'm going to make it a true daily double. I'm wagering all $6,000 for things that did not happen. Alex, I won. I now am $12,000 up. Who's going to pay me that? I don't know. I'll have to speak to my boss after the program. But again, come on now. And, and again, this is just... a. Oh. It's placed upon a valid assumption that somebody would make. If I go to a Dolce & Gabbana store and I'm just like decked out in Dolce & Gabbana and it happens to be what they're selling in the store, they're going to go, oh, did you try that on? And are you walking out of the store with what you just tried on? (laughs) Or is that something that you owned prior and you walked in here with it? Is that not a natural assessment to make as somebody who works in a store? I think so. So... Now, does that mean you have to go rip the sunglasses off somebody's head? 
No, but you can ask them. You buy those or, or are you trying them on? <laughs> yeah, if an associate is ripping sunglasses off your head in a store, like that's a problem with the associate and how mm-hmm. they've been trained and how they're behaving, mm-hmm. not racism. Yeah, that person should be fired. It doesn't speak to the Gucci store or America at large being racist. That just means you got some stupid sales associate at Gucci, which... At a Gucci store, if a sales associate ever put their hands on a customer, do you imagine what would happen? That's like Karen Central Gucci stores. So I doubt that's happening. Doubt it. Number 20. Never let your kids play with toy guns. <sighs> okay, this is about Tamir Rice. Let's talk about this. Is this a general rule of thumb? Somewhat. Let's, let's alter this rule. Never let your kids play with toy guns in public. That might be just a good rule to abide by and follow. You can let your kids play with toy guns at home or in the backyard with each other. But if you have a toy gun that looks exactly like, I don't know, a Glock 9, are you going to let your your kid go out in public and play with it and pretend like he's pointing it at people? Which, for those of you who don't know, is exactly what happened with the Tamir Rice situation. So Tamir Rice, although I believe being 12 years old, he was a young kid in this situation he had a gun looked exactly like a real gun and the police were called because the gun looked real and he was waving it around and pointing it at people and tamir rice although he was 12 years old did not look like a 12 year old i believe he was well above five foot and over 200 pounds so is this just a horrible horrific situation with bad timing and bad circumstance absolutely Does it speak to a general rule that because you're black, you can't buy toy guns for your kids anymore? No, but don't go and buy one that looks exactly like a real gun and then put your kid out in public in a park and let them play with it and and fling it around and point it at people. That's something. And, you know, even as a parent, if my kid had a toy gun and before this whole Tamirai situation, that might have been something that never crossed my mind. I might have never thought, oh, if I let my kid go outside and play with this toy, the police could come and shoot him. That is horrific. And I'm sure it's something that never crossed the mind of his parents either. And and unfortunately, it set a, a horrific precedent for what happened there. But now it's something that anybody of any race should think about with their kids, letting them go out with a toy that resembles a weapon that could take somebody's life. Unfortunate, horrific, horrifying, disgusting, but he was a victim of circumstance. And that's just something that we have to come to terms with and talk about. Last one. And finally, I find myself begging to get adequate medical care for the autoimmune disease that I and pain I deal with. Pain in black folks is viewed more, much differently than in white people. It blows my mind how a lot of people don't realize that black people get the short end of the stick in healthcare. This is something that I actually want to dedicate an entire episode to, and I'm not going to go into a rant about for that very purpose. But this idea... And this is a systemic racist narrative that I've seen persist for a really long time that black women in particular experience poorer medical care than other people. And this is something that we're going to look into. We're going to go in and look in through the studies and we're going to talk about the different ways that women in particular express pain and the way that women express problems that they're having with their health and uh, the way that men do that as well and whether or not race has something to do with that. And we are going to get to the bottom of that narrative because it's something that requires a really deep dive and there are so many leftist infographics you can find surrounding this and just newsflash they are debunkable we will talk about it and 
what this shows me in general, this whole article, the fact that we can come up with 21 rules that black people supposedly have to follow and white people don't, it shows me a sign of a sick society that not through truth, but through propaganda and through narrative, we've convinced people that they have to be scared all of the time. This insinuates to me that black people, black women and men are scared in every single situation where there are around other people of different races. You know what that creates? Segregation. Because black, if I was a black person and this was true, I wouldn't want to be around anybody other than other black people. And that seemingly is where we're moving as a society, where people are just segregating each other, creating uh, black black owned business categories on Uber Eats and on Netflix and Hulu and YouTube and TikTok, where we just separate people because we think that's the answer. Ibram X. Kendi saying the the way to solve past uh, discrimination is present discrimination. This is where we're headed as a society through these lies that we continue to tell people. And you have to imagine that these are black adults writing in these rules, black adults who are going to have black children and teach their black children that from a very young age, these are rules that they need to abide by. And that is horrifying. That is what happened to me at a very large degree, at a similar degree to this. And that ruined a lot of my young life. I ended up being an activist because that's the only solution. If this is true... If what this is, this article is saying is true, activism would be the only answer. It's the only immediate answer. Getting people to form with you in solidarity is the only thing that you would be able to do if this was truly the situation that we're in in America. But it is not. And that's what's wrong with this. So as much as this is very funny and haha and oh my gosh, I can't believe people think that there are different rules for different races, it's actually disgusting. And just the marker of a completely degraded society that we think that somebody could read this and go, yep, I totally relate to that. Totally think that's true. And I'm sure there's a bunch of comments on on this article talking about exactly that. And 241 comments, people saying, oh, yeah, completely agree. I appreciate you writing this. I had a similar experience to this or I, I follow rules very similar to this. Bad state of affairs, ladies and gentlemen. And I think that is where we're going to close out the show for today. If you've got, I don't know, other people in your life that might be sympathetic to an article like this or believe something like this, have a conversation with them. Maybe send them this video and have them react to my responses and see if you can spark a conversation about what they think and have a discussion with you about it because there's several people in my life that I could send this article and they would agree in in large part with what's being said. And I would love to have a discussion with people who think that. And if you do, Leave it down in the comments down below. Have you had personal experiences that sort of coincide with the rules that some people have made? Has this actually happened to you? So much so that you feel like this is a rule that you need to abide by in your daily life. If that's the case, write your story down below. Tell me why you think that. Are you teaching your kids this if you are a person of color or even a white parent trying to teach your kids to be anti-racist or act in solidarity with the black community? Let me know down below. I would love to hear it. And if, of course, if I'm wrong on any of this, We'll get back on the program tomorrow and admit where we were wrong. So let me know down in the comments below. If you'd like to support us in any way, shape, or form, please like, subscribe, click the notification bell to be notified every single day when we go live. Uh, we're really trying to boost this channel, get these conversations out to more people so that we can discuss these ever-present topics that don't seem to be going anywhere and that we don't seem to be making any progress on. So that's the goal here. If you'd like to listen to this podcast, and watch, uh, or just listen, go to Google Play, 
Apple Podcasts or Spotify, and it will be there as well under Unapologetic Live. Thank you so much for watching. I look forward to reading and responding to your comments down below. And uh, if you'd like to support us monetarily with the things that we do, go to PragerU.com. Uh, give us a donation, and all your donations feed back into this organization, the content that we make, and everything that we talk about. So thank you so much for watching. See you guys.